Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Monday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. Hey, it has been a great week, and big things have been happening here at Logos Bible Study. As you know, the COVID-19 pandemic shut down all of our Logos Bible Study live classes, as well as live classes in virtually every school, college, and university in the entire nation. Our last live classes met on March 13, 2020, over one year ago. And between March 13th and today, I've canceled 11 teaching tours to the Holy Land and the lands of the Bible. Tours to Israel, Egypt, Jordan, Turkey, Greece, Italy, and Spain. Our lives have changed profoundly during this past dreadful year. It has been a really barren year for everyone. But with change comes opportunity. I recall as a young Marine when the best laid plans collapsed at the first sound of gunfire and lead began zipping through the air far too close for comfort. And my tough old Marine Corps gunnery sergeant would stand up in the midst of it all and bellow, adapt, improvise, overcome. And that's what we have to do today. Since the COVID shutdown last March, we at Logos Bible Study have been working feverishly to adapt, improvise, and overcome by revising and restructuring the entire seven-year program that I had completed teaching between 2013 and 2020. 22 complete university-level courses spanning the entire Bible, including the Deuterocanonical books or the Apocrypha, 450 video lessons, 1,000 pages of syllabi, and 30,000 pages of written material. Honestly, it has been a massive job. My son, Dr. Jonathan Creasy, rebuilt entirely the Logos Bible Study website, transforming it into an elegant online platform, not only for delivering all of the course content in an easy, intuitive way, but also integrating live Zoom discussion sessions with me and your fellow Logo students, and twice-weekly drop-in office hours where you and I can meet and discuss your courses or anything else you might have on your mind. As Jonathan was building out the website, Andrew Mencher, my longtime audio engineer and technical wizard, was re-editing the audio on all 22 courses, 450 lessons, 500 hours of audio, and integrating the audio with the visuals, transforming each lesson into engaging video presentations. So now, a little over one year after the COVID shutdown, our entire Logos Bible Study program, all 22 university-level courses, all 450 lessons that take you verse by verse through the entire Bible, including the Deuterocanonical books, over 500 hours of programming, is now fully available on LogosBibleStudy.com. And here's the beauty of it. Everything, all of the courses, 
the live Zoom course discussion groups, the twice-weekly drop-in Zoom office hours with me for group and private discussions, plus priority registration on all future teaching tours. All of it is open access and is available to our Logo students for a mere $19.95 a month. And you can cancel at any time, no questions asked. Now, we tested the new site with a subset of Logo students, students who had paid up to $295 for individual courses, and they loved it. Although many said, hey, at $19.95, you're giving away the store. Well, that may be so, but my goal is to create educated readers of scripture to bring our Logo students into a deeper, more intimate relationship with Christ, and to nurture a community of like-minded students who want to grow in their faith and in their relationships with one another. So, that's what we've been doing this past year. And I invite you to join us by becoming a subscribed Logos Bible Study student. Please check it out on the website logosbiblestudy.com. I'm eager to hear what you think. And you can email me personally at info at logosbiblestudy.com. That's info at logosbiblestudy.com. Over the next few weeks, I, Jonathan, and Andrew will be hosting online Zoom tours of the new site so you can get a closer look at it. If we don't have your contact information, please be sure to provide it at the bottom of the website's homepage. I know many people listening to the podcast are not active members on the website. But please give us your name and email and join us on a Zoom tour of the new site. This is going to be great. So thank you for listening, friends. Now, let's get going on the podcast. We left off last time with Paul having passed through Ephesus on the way home to Syrian Antioch, and Priscilla and Aquila stayed in Ephesus with Apollos and then sent him on to Corinth. Now we move into Acts 19 and we read, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. So it's now AD 54. Paul had been to Ephesus on the way back to Syrian Antioch in transit. Ephesus, of course, is the major deep water port on the west coast of Asia Minor. And when Paul saw Ephesus, he thought, this is a place I have to come. It was a city of a quarter million people. It was one of three cities in the Roman Empire that had street lighting at night. It was a beautiful city made entirely of marble. And travelers passing through because of it being the maritime hub for the Mediterranean. Lots of people moving through. And I suspect Paul thought, you know, I've been traveling from place to place planting churches, spending a few weeks, a few months, a year, it was very effective, but not very efficient. 
And I think when Paul saw Ephesus, he thought to himself, there's a better way to do this, a better way. I'll go to Ephesus, I'll teach there, and I'll let the people come to me, and they can take the message back home. Very clever on Paul's part. So Paul arrived in Ephesus, and there he found some disciples, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, the Holy who? No, we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? Well, John's baptism, they replied, John the Baptist. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. So like Apollos, these people only knew about John the Baptist. They didn't know that Jesus had already come. He had been tried, crucified, buried, raised, and ascended into heaven. And the church was born on Pentecost of AD 32. Imagine the surprise. Well, I'll be darned, they thought. So, on hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Not a lot, just a handful. But then again, Jesus started with 12 men, just a handful. There's promise here. Now Paul entered the synagogue at Ephesus and he spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. That was Paul's method. Go to a town, speak in the synagogue, get thrown out of the synagogue, teach in the marketplace, get beaten up, thrown in jail, and run out of town. But Paul lasted three months in the synagogue at Ephesus. Ephesus was a very sophisticated city. As I noted, a city, beautiful city, marble streets, street lighting at night, and a well-educated city. In A.D. 132, they will build the Library of Celsus. Celsus was a senator, a Roman senator, in Ephesus. And it becomes the third biggest library in the Roman Empire, in all the ancient world. Now, you wouldn't have a library with all of those books unless you had a knowledge base, a group of people who appreciated books and appreciated libraries. So it was a sophisticated place. And Paul spoke boldly for three months. But some became obstinate. They refused to believe and they publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He was invited to leave the synagogue. Well, politely or perhaps not so politely. Paul left and he took disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. I love that. Paul didn't preach out on the, on the cardo on the main street. Paul taught daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. Now I can tell you from personal experience that you don't get to have a public lecture hall for free. You have to pay for it. And apparently, Paul taught every day at a specific time, and people would know to come, 
and he'd have big crowds of people in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. I would love to have been there. Now, I've been to Ephesus many times, and it's a wonderful archaeological site, but they've not yet discovered the lecture hall of Tyrannus. I would guess, looking at the archaeological site of Ephesus, that maybe 20% of the site has been excavated, and a lot of it has been restored to nearly original condition. But haven't found the lecture hall of Tyrannus quite yet. Well, this went on for two years. Paul taught there for two years. So that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia, Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, heard the word of the Lord. Luke is writing the Acts of the Apostles. And Luke can say that after two years of teaching daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus, travelers coming through Ephesus, staying over while their transportation was being arranged, while cargo was being shipped and so on, and they went and heard Paul. And then they got on board ship, they went home, wherever that might be, and they founded a church based on Paul's teaching. Paul founded all those churches in Asia Minor, Colossae being one of them. Paul will write an epistle to the church at Colossae. Colossians. But he had never been to Colossae. He founded that church by remote control from Ephesus. Well, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. Now, some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, <laughs> and you had to be there to see it, they would say, In the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Now, seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, we're doing this. And one day, the evil spirit answered them. <laughs> Imagine these boys saying, In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. And from inside this man, a voice emerges, a hollow-like voice from deep inside. Jesus, I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? And then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them, he gave them such a beating, they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. <laughs> what a scene! Now, when this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with great fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high, high honor. Now, many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachma. A drachma is about a day's wages. 50,000 drachma is about $10 million in today's terms. And in this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Now, I, I've got a problem with this section of scripture. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. Are they practicing 
witchcraft? Are they practicing satanic religions? No. In the Library of Celsus, later, A.D. 132, much like the Library at Alexandria, Egypt, there were books on philosophy, on drama, on literature, priceless works, priceless. These were people who didn't practice sorcery, but practiced classical learning. Yes, they knew about the Greek gods and the Egyptian gods and the Roman gods. But they knew about literature, philosophy, medicine, astro astrology. I, I, I weep at this. All these scrolls, all these books, $10 million worth, were simply burned. And you have to wonder what Paul thought about. How did, how did he think about this? Paul had a fabulous classical education. Paul was a gifted rhetorician in both speaking and writing. He was a trained rhetorician, trained by some of the greatest teachers of his day. He was an adult student of the greatest rabbi of his century, Gamaliel. You don't get to do that. It's like having a postdoctoral fellowship with a Nobel laureate. Paul appreciated learning. We saw when he was in Athens at the Areopagus, the faculty club meeting at Athens, I told you. He quoted from memory a 6th century BC Cretan poet, Epimenides. Who can do that? He could. So Paul read, Paul knew that literature, Paul knew those writings. And I think when he witnessed this, and it's a direct consequence of Paul's teaching, that some people took and misunderstood and burned all these books. Frankly, I think Paul was horrified. After all this happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Achaia. After I've been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. He sent two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, to Macedonia while he stayed in the province of Asia a little bit longer, wrapping things up. Paul had his most successful missionary journey in Ephesus. But immediately after this book burning, Paul called it quits. I'm moving on. And that's what he planned to do. Now, right about that time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, the goddess Diana. Her temple was in Ephesus, and it was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Demetrius made silver shrines of Artemis, and it brought in no little business for the craftsmen. When we visit Ephesus, we enter at one end of the site, make our way through the site, and exit to the parking lot on the back end of the site. And as you're exiting, you leave the, main, the big theater in Ephesus, and you walk down a tree-lined path 
to where the buses are all parked. But all along that path are vendors, really nice vendor shops. And you can buy nearly anything. And indeed, you will buy several things because you can't get past those shops without buying something. Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen sold silver statues of the goddess Diana. Now, he called all the craftsmen together, along with the workmen in related trades, and he said, Men, you know that we receive a good income from this business. Tourism is big in Ephesus because everybody's passing through as they travel throughout the Roman Empire. And they all stop and visit one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, the Temple of Diana. And they want a souvenir. And we make souvenirs. Now you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and in practically the entire province of Asia. He says that man-made gods are no gods at all. Now look, there is danger not only that our trade will lose its good name, we'll be seen as a bunch of con men, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited and the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. This is blasphemous toward the goddess Diana. So when they heard this, they were furious. They began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! And pretty soon the whole city was in an uproar. People seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia, and rushed as one man into the theater. The great theater of Ephesus seats 25,000 people. They rushed into the theater. Now Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples wouldn't let him. Even some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, sent a message begging him not to venture into the theater. He'd be torn limb from limb. The whole assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people didn't even know why they were there. They were just following the crowd. That's how riots go. The Jews pushed Alexander to the front, and some of the crowd shouted instructions. He motioned for silence in order to make a defense before the people. But when they realized he was a Jew, they all shouted in unison for about two hours, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Now, I love this part of the story. When we visit Ephesus, our last stop at the site is the great theater in Ephesus. 25,000 people can sit there. And we go into the theater and I teach this story right there on site. And I have my whole group. We have a little corner that we, that we stay in where there's shade. And I have my whole group shout, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And we keep it up for 10 or 15 times. All the other tourists who are there in the theater and around the site, they don't know this story and they wonder, who are those nutty people over there shouting, great is Artemis of the Ephesians? And who's Artemis of the Ephesians? It's a very funny scene. Everyone's pointing at us and taking pictures. <laughs> well, the city clerk quieted the crowd and said, Men of Ephesus, does not all the world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image which fell from heaven? Therefore, 
since these facts are undeniable, you ought to be quiet and not do anything rash. You have brought these men here, though they have neither robbed temples nor blasphemed our goddess. So if then Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a grievance against anybody, that's why we have courts, and that's why they're open, and that's why we have proconsuls, judges. They can press charges. If there is anything further you want to bring up, it must be settled in a legal assembly, not in a riot. As it is, we're in danger of being charged with rioting because of today's events. And in that case, we would not be able to account for this commotion, since there is no reason for it. Now, after he said this, he dismissed the assembly and everyone went home. Well, after the book burning, after the riot, Paul was finished with Ephesus. Now, you might ask, whatever happened to the temple of Diana? When we visit, there's no temple to visit. There's only a bare site with fragments of pillars that are stacked into one to make one pillar. And that's all that remains of the great temple of Artemis. When we travel to Turkey in the footsteps of Paul and we visit Istanbul, I'll show you one of the portions of a temple from the temple of Artemis in Ephesus. It's used in Hagia Sophia, the great Christian cathedral now turned mosque in Istanbul. But it's sad. The temple of Artemis, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, was destroyed by a mob led, sadly, by St. John Chrysostom. You know, you wonder if we ever learn. Well, that brings us up uh, to the end of today's podcast, but uh, we'll be back here on Wednesday and we'll push on with our story. Hey, thank you for being with me. And don't forget, visit logosbiblestudy.com, check out the new website, and we'll be sending out emails inviting you to a tour through the site with myself, uh, my son, Jonathan, and Andrew. So make sure we have your name and your email address and you'll be on the invite list. Okay, thank you, gang. I'll talk to you again on Wednesday. Blessings to you. Bye-bye now. Mm -hmm.